Hello, and welcome to the Car Reviewers Podcast. My name is Bennett. And I'm David. And on this episode, I'm going to be talking about the 2021 Ford F-150. And I will be talking about the Eddie Vanoy collection. Okay. I'm with the 2021 Ford F-150 because this has been highly anticipated. And personally, I am very excited about it. It has six powertrains this time, which is good. They're kind of slimming down their line a little bit. Um, it will, and this is the biggest part personally in my mind, they are making a hybrid model, which will have the ability to do 700 miles without a fill up, which that I think, um, a lot of people, yes, are about, you know, including me American, you know, if I'm going to buy a truck, it's going to be a diesel or it's going to be gas. Um, and you know, this is definitely something new to consider though, because there are a lot of work people out there that might have to drive their truck for work and money might be tight, you know, for that. So this is definitely a great option for all of them. And, you know, this won't lack in luxury though, because it has so many great competitors now in the Dodge or in the Ram. I apologize. I was about to say Dodge Ram in the Ram 1500 and then the 2500 and the 3500. They have built such great competitors being one of the top trucks last year or the top truck actually. So Ford has a lot that they, you know, have to jump and get to because I feel they kind of sat back in a way and let the world pass for a couple of years because this past design just was not one of my favorites. Definitely into the 80s and 90s F-150s a lot more. But, you know, this one won't disappoint in the luxury features, which for me, if I'm buying a truck, I want it to do truck stuff. Um, but this has some awesome opportunities here for a new space in the luxury truck market, which is becoming very popular. The XL model will start at 30,000, which that has gone up from, I believe, 28,000 this last year. So there's a couple thousand dollar price increase. And then when you get into the XLT, we're talking $35,000 for the XLT model. That's crazy. And then huge price jump from that $10,000 to get to the Lariat model, which will start at 45,000. And then my personal favorite, just because of the um, interior, is the King Ranch. And that will be starting at 55000 And then from that at sixty, the Platinum. And then Limited at 70000 So the prices have increased a little bit. But honestly, it's not too far from what some of the other brands are doing. And cars are becoming very expensive right now. So um, especially with a lot of the current issues that are going on. So, you know, but yesterday, Thursday night, Ford um, did a huge press launch on their website and then through a lot of social media feeds. And they came out with some great photos. You can find them on our Instagram page. I was actually able to find some um, a couple of weeks ago. And I wanted to wait, though, until we talked about to post them. So you can find that on our Instagram page. And then I also want to get into a couple of the luxury features. Bennett, do you have any questions before I continue on? Um, no, but um, I am. I saw the um, spy photos that you got um, and put on our Instagram. And to me, it doesn't look too much different. And not, it's very similar to me, at least, um, to the previous generation of the F-150. And I agree with you. I don't really... I'm not a big fan of the um, old generation. I have a poster on my wall that has all the um, old F-150s. And I got to say, I really did like the um, 1970s and 80s generation of F-150s. I just think they were so much muscular looking and they, and they, 
they give a more trucky feeling versus now I feel like they're going for a lot more of a um, luxury feeling, yes. which to me, I don't really like. I feel like if you're buying a truck, you buy it because you need a workforce, you need to haul stuff in it. But I mean, I know in the past, especially in the 50s, we saw a lot of the American manufacturers going into the luxury brands. And today, those are some of the most expensive trucks and are very hot. So I mean, maybe they're going yeah. back to their 50s route. So hopefully yeah. they do great. You never know. I, I, I do think this will be the new way we'll see trucks from now on. And this has a lot of very unique features, though, that you have not seen in some other brands. So first off, um, they are having to compete big time with the Ram 1500 because it won so many awards last year. It was one of the top trucks um, at the... North American International Auto Show, which is a huge show in Detroit, um, where these brands are from. So that's very important. And then it will have, this is probably my second favorite feature. It has completely fold flat front seats and very, very comfortable seats from what I saw. So it's very possible that you could sleep in this vehicle. Um, so if you're on a long road trip, you're doing long haul trucking, um, you won't have to spend the extra $60, $70 to stay at a hotel on the side of the motel, you know, and park your truck. You can just hop out and get in to the fold flat front seats. It will also have a couple of their great interior features. The center console will, um, fold forward, causing the, um, gear lever to actually fold down. So you can have a workspace next to you. So there'll be a desk. You can fill out paperwork. Um, you can do a whole number of things, which that's really interesting. And then also there will be in the back seat under the second row of seats. If you do get the crew cab models, there will be a lockbox storage safe under the seats that um, a lot of people probably will use their more expensive tools, their welding equipment, stuff like that. If you are on the job or if you're, you know, you're just traveling and you're a salesperson or whatever, this can be great, you know, to store money, um, valuable items. So that's very interesting. But then also in the bed, a lot of new great features come. There will be a optional. Um, uh, I actually have the complete features right here. I have to quickly find them, but there will be an optional 7.2 kilowatt power source at the rear so you can plug in all of your electronics that you need on the job site instead of having to bring your own generator this will be inside the vehicle for you so you never will have to worry about getting to a job site and not having the amount of power that you need to get the job done um also we have in the bed now a special workspace on the tailgate which we've seen a lot of interesting stuff happen on the Sierra with their tailgate and then also with some of the Rams on their split tailgates. So Ford, you know, had to compete. They had to come up with their own um, system. So now Ford has done this in the past. They put little cup holder things on the um, tailgate, which was very simple, but now they've actually gone full fledged. They put a rack for your phone. They've put pencil case on the rear. They've put extra storage. They've added measurement on um, like rulers and meter sticks on the rear as well on the bumper. So you can do a lot of different things. So if you're an architect, if you're on the job measuring, cutting, whatever, that's interesting. That will help definitely a lot of people. And there's just so there's all numbers of luxury features. And I know Bennett was saying that 
it looks a lot like the old one, but in reality, they had to completely redesign the entire vehicle. So nothing is standard. Nothing is from the old past models. This is all new. It's just, you know, I, I think it's what Ford needed to do. Um, let's get into the powertrain now. I know we talked about the six different levels before, but it is important to note the different engine sizes as well because there you know there there are a lot and ford has been on top of getting all of this electric equipment out with whether it's the mock e or i think this could honestly open a door for an electric bronco which i don't i just cannot see that being possible but it probably will open the door for that and so first off we have a 3.3 liter v6 a 5 liter v8 a twin turbocharged 2.7 liter V6, a twin turbocharged 3.5 liter V6, and a three liter diesel V6. And then also those will all be coming out of a 10 speed automatic. And then we cannot forget the um, 3.5 liter twin turbo V6, um, which will be the a part of the hybrid powertrain and a 35 kilowatt electric motor. And that will also be out of a 10-speed automatic transmission. This will offer best-in-class torque. So if you're towing, if you have some sort of job like that, this could be great. And then it will also offer best-in-class horsepower. So honestly, we've seen with some of the Teslas and the Tesla Model 3 and the Model Y and everything like that, they have crazy horsepower. And they can do drag races and beat Ferraris, Lamborghinis, crazy things, Nissan GTRs, whatever you put up against. So this will be very interesting as we start to see these roll out on the road if you know, they will actually be able to compete with some muscle cars and other things coming out of Ford. It has, as I said, 700 miles of driving range per tank, which long haul truck drivers come on that. That would be amazing for them. And then also the interior is great for a long haul truck driver. You can put your seat down, as I said before. Um, it's just it's everything that we needed, I think, from Ford. But it's not what I want personally, because, you know, it does. I'm trying. I'm trying to weigh some of the great sides of having an electric motor, but it just it's it's painful for me to be talking about this just because Ford is such you know a tough as nails brand, and I've started to see a transformation throughout the company towards the luxury side, and definitely with the F series models. And you know, I I, just, I don't know what I feel about it, and I I don't know what you how you feel personally about it, Bennett. Bennett, but I I know we had said before that we're both really into the seventies, eighties and nineties models that were still, you know, the tough as nails, real trucks before we got into the two thousands and they started to do more luxury stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that we were both in agreement that we both like the non luxurious models better. I think. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I, I'm taking a look at my poster now and I see the F one fifty lightning. Um, and yeah. that one is probably my favorite um f1 truck uh like probably ever i mean it had great performance you could still haul whatever you needed in it it had some luxury options and i think that they nailed it with that generation um looking at the 2001 through 2009 model they kind of are very similar um they feel a lot like the lincoln blackwood um to uh -huh. me which i feel like lincoln hit it off with the blackwood it's just that Ford is trying to go for a lot more of a luxurious standpoint, whereas yeah. the Silver oh, excuse me, the Silverado and the Rams are more um, uh, 
like off road and jeepy kind of feeling. If, if you know what I mean. No, well, actually, I personally believe you know this is kind of Ram's fault in a way, just because they came out with what was it an eleven inch? I don't even remember the size of the touchscreen, but like an eleven inch touchscreen or whatever in the front of their cabs. It tur- it looks like you know, a Lincoln inside or a Mercedes or a BMW. And that just kind of ruins the idea of getting a truck. You know, it's, I, I, I don't understand. And I, I, yes, I can understand, you know, people are successful. That's the car that, you know, the person that's running the job site might pull up in, but, you know, trucks are meant to be workhorses, not necessarily, you know, and they, they can be, I'm not saying they can't be grocery getters. They can't be, you know, fun drive around just for, people that work in offices cars but i just the idea of a truck i think is getting a little bit faded on some of these brands and i i do see a bright future still for trucks and ford will go on hopefully to be the 44th year of its best-selling standards but it's hard to look at the past and see you know tough as nails the ford commercials where they you know dropped thousands of pounds of concrete or weights into the bed of a truck and watch you know bounce that they're never going to do that again and they and i built I stand, i'm get yeah, built ford tough they, they've kind of started to do away with that it's built ford proud and i have nothing wrong in any way with the built ford proud message i think it's great but you know ford's not it's it's shying away from its tough as nails, as I said, you know, demeanor and the way that it used to be. And I think next, next time where this is our last episode of the season, but next season, I, I think we need to definitely dive more into this and hopefully have somebody on the show that understands our message and will help us continue to grow, you know, and like get our message out about this and, you know, and help us talk a little bit about, you know, built in Detroit and made in America cars, because I as I said last week, you know, and I know we got a little bit of backlash for that, but you know what? I um, love American cars, and I, yes, I said some things last week that probably were not all 100% true, but I'm not going to walk back my statement just because I do agree in some cases that that can be true. But you hear me here, all of the listeners hear me here talking and talking about how excited I am about this new truck. So um, if you think that I don't love American cars and I don't love American brands. You have another thing coming. Okay. Because I love America and I love where I'm from. So yes, Bennett, let's get into a game. Okay. Let's do All that. right. Which game are we doing today? Do you know what? Or I, right think now? Th- I think right now, I think we need to go back and do an OG game. Like we started the show off doing, because this is our last episode of the season, everybody. Um, and we're trying to make it as much of an OG episode as possible. We're talking about, we're doing a review like we'd done from me and the Bennett's going to talk about auctions and stuff as we get on a little bit about old cars. So let's do our original game that we started the show off with, um, into a couple of weeks. And, um, Bennett, you want to go first? Okay. Um, now we, we've talked a lot about trucks this episode, so I think, that'd be wrong to not talk about trucks. So I'm going to go back and say, would you rather have the F-150, F-150 SVT Lightning truck that I was Come on, that's more? literally what I was going to ask you. Okay, oh, I'm, oh, I'm I, well, I mean, no. I'm sorry. I'm joking. No, I know first. I'm joking. I'm joking. I know, no, no, you go first. I'm joking. I'm totally joking. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so the SVT Lightning or the SVT Raptor from uh, 2010. Ooh. 
you know how really hard this is for me because I love performance and I love trucks and it's combining my two favorite things in both of the vehicles, but I'm going to have to go with the Raptor just because, you know, I love going off road. I love, you know, seeing stuff like that and dunes and driving. So I think that that would be my pick from the two. I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to, well, first you tell me what you would choose and then. Uh, well, I, again, favorite um, performance board truck of all time is the SVT for me. So I got to, yeah, I got to go with I the agree. SVT, but I completely, I completely understand your point of view because the mm. Raptor is a beautiful looking truck it and is. I, and I really do like it. Mm. And I okay, have a lot so of what respect you... for the lightning. Oh. Okay. Okay. Sorry. No, um, I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to go into SUVs because that's been my thing the entire show is I love big SUVs, big American SUVs. And so I'm going to ask you, would you rather have a Chevy Suburban RST edition, which is the Rally Sport Truck edition, or a Ford Expedition? I'm going to go back a few years, the King Ranch edition. Uh, Ford. I don't really like Chevy. Ford? So whenever okay. you're going to – I mean, unless it's a classic car, it's just <laughs> – yeah, for me, gotcha. I'm gonna go with the Ford. I'm a Ford man, so mm-hmm. and I also mm-hmm. we also own an Expedition, so I I like the Expeditions. Yeah, I, I totally I totally get what you're saying, and you know I'm a Ford guy through and through. I gotta gotta go with the Ford as well. It's really hard to say no to the RST just because it's such an awesome truck, and I've loved um, but I've as I, I've loved Ford forever, and my family's been part of Ford, so I definitely think that I will have to go with the Ford. Bennett, let's jump into your segment now. I'm going to let you talk, and then we'll play another game after after this, okay? Okay, so um, today I'm going to be talking about the Eddie Vanoy collection. I've been covering this for a little bit, um, talked about it in a few other segments. Now, his collection, is uh, a majority of it, about 5,000 items, is um, road art, or that's at least what Meekum Auctions um, calls it. They are the... Um, auction company that is selling his um, personal collection but basically um, he's got everything from little die cast cars he's got NASCAR stuff gas and oil signs he's got soda machines automotive signs which I will be talking about later um, he's got stuff that you would see in antique general stores barber shop signs um, stuff in an antique diner which is really awesome he's got soda pop machines um, some old coin op and video game machines um, even some boat motors, which I also will be talking about later, as well as some bicycles, some very awesome pedal cars, some really cool um, guns and antique um, knives, which I think are really um, cool and we don't really see those ever. Um, some beer um, and new neon signs, uh, wall decor, that's like uh, paintings and uh, little um, signed autographed stuff. And he actually has a lot of really awesome gas pumps. But um again we're we're a car podcast so we got to jump into the cars and i cover the antique stuff so i'm gonna jump in and what i'm gonna do is they're um mostly mopar chevys and fords from this auction so i'm going to be giving my favorites um of the new generation and the old generation of um those brands so first off mopar i'm a mopar man as well as a ford guy but um i gotta say i posted on the um on our Instagram about this car, the 1969 Dodge Daytona. It's lot number V24. Um, I love Dodge Daytonas. Um, I know David, you've talked about these um, to have. me personally, and you. I have. I think you. I think you do like these. Uh, correct Dodge me Daytonas. If I'm wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, this one, they only built 503 Dodge Daytonas in 1969, so they're extremely collectible. Nut bolt rotisserie restoration to the correct specs, which we love to see. Does have the matching numbers, 440 Magnum engine with 375 horsepower. That would be the base engine. You could only get a Hemi or a 440. Still great performing engines. Um, Four-barrel carburetor. does have dual exhaust, which we would expect to see. It is an automatic car. Um, estimate on this one is 175 to 225,000. It is currently bid online at 96,000. It will sell on Monday, um, June 29th. So we'll have to wait until then to see what happens. Um, next up um, is new Mopars. And this is the 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon. Um, he actually has three demons. I'm not really sure how he acquired three of them. He probably bought them from different dealerships. Um, this one has 12 miles and has the Demon Crate package as well as the sunroof option. Supercharged 6.2 liter, 840 horsepower Hemi. Be it automatic. It is plum crazy purple, my personal favorite Mopar color. Estimate on this one is 100 to 125 and it is currently bid at $29,000. So we'll definitely be seeing a jump um, in that yeah. bidding very, very <laughs> yeah. soon. Um, if it goes for 29000 I, I I would take that definitely any day. If it yeah. Goes for <laughs> I think everybody, I think everybody would just go up and sign up and uh, yeah. bid. Um, yes. All the cars and motorcycles will be selling on Monday. So that is um, something to note. 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Um, next up is Chevrolet's. Um, probably one of the best um, Corvettes we've ever seen, I got to say. 1967 Corvette Coupe. Uh, this is a 427-400 horse car, four-speed, factory air conditioning, which is extremely rare um, in Corvettes. Um, I think that is something we definitely have to talk about in a future segment is the rarity of factory airs and antique cars and how we've um, come to see so very few of them. Um, matching numbers engine, this one is estimated at 125 to 175. Um, current bid is $71,000. Again, we're going to be definitely seeing a uh, jump in price on these. And um, David, I don't know, how do you feel about the C2 Corvettes? I want to get your opinion on I, that. I, I like C2 Corvettes. I really, really do. Um, but I always have to say I'm going to be probably, as you said, it was 1967, right? Yes, this is 67. Okay. okay. You know what? I'm going to definitely say I, I do like that. Is this, this is a split window, right? No, uh, split no, no, window was 1963, 67 was the big back. Okay, you know, I have to say 63 then probably would be my year just because I actually grew up with one of my neighbors having, or not one of my neighbors, but one of our my family friends having a split window Corvette. And I would just sit in the garage and stare at that car for like 10, 15 minutes every time I go over. So I have to say, you know what? I have to go with 1963. So... I'm going to always I completely respect that. I mean, Uh 67s um, for a while have been the most expensive ones. I I see that actually changing with the fact Mm -hmm. that they built so little um, 63 split windows. Yes. Um, So that is really cool. They are very valuable, though. Don't get me wrong. But whenever you see 67 Corvettes, no matter what engine combination, no matter what... uh, um, type of car it's not whether it's a cooper convertible you always know that it's going to be very expensive um now in the modern sector i know we both have talked about this car on the show the 2019 zr1 corvette um Mm -hmm. i personally really am a big fan of it i think they did a great job and i honestly like to see 
seven, a Z or one better than the new C eight. Uh, I don't know if we disagree there, but um, just just hang on. You'll, yeah. you'll understand. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Six point two <laughs> liters of supercharged V eight power, producing seven hundred and fifty five horsepower, which is awesome. Automatic transmission. This one is estimated at one hundred twenty five to one fifty. I love the color combination of black paint with the black tinted windows and a red uh, leather interior. Currently bid at a strong $91,000, but that is not going to be enough to take it home. They're going to be needing to be around 125 to 150 again, what the estimate is. Um, and, but yeah, how do you feel about the ZR1 Corvettes? I, and you can get one right now from Hertz, guys, starting at $49,000, okay? Because Hertz is going bankrupt. They did go bankrupt. They're selling off parts of their inventory, and that was one of the biggest ones. I'm sure a lot of them have sold out by now, but... That was talked about in the episode a couple of weeks ago. I know I see. I love the idea of a ZR1 Corvette, but I personally have not really loved the um, C7. It's C7 body style, right? Or is that mm-hmm. C8? Yes, that's okay. correct. C7. Okay. I have not loved the C7 body style just because there it's, I don't know what it is, and I think looking back, definitely at the earlier models, the 2014, 2015, when it did come out, those are the ones that just really got me, and I love 2009, 2010 ZR1s, those were, that's that's the year that I'd have to go with, honestly, for my personal favorite of the newer models um, for I, Corvette. I, I think that's interesting, because I personally like the the 2019s and 17s a lot better than the 2014s. Um, I believe that they are selling Z06 Corvettes, which would be very different than the ZR1s in a different um, price category for Hertz. But I mean, I, I didn't do the research. So that is that is you. So I'm not I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. So um, I, I just, you know, <laughs> I this is this is definitely something we could go on for a long time about. But I personally, you know, I really do think that them doing a middle engine Corvette for the C8 model was a hit in some ways, but then a miss in some others, just because Corvettes have been front engine since they started in the late fifties. Okay. Or mid fifties. And I just think that they should have stuck with their original plan. And I, from my supercar, my, you know, cheap power side, I love the idea of doing a mid engine Corvette, but then, from the side of me that knows the history of Corvette, that would be like taking a Mustang and, you know, messing it up completely, getting rid of sequential tail light, stuff like that. I just, I think that they hit on the supercar side of me that I just, I really, really like the idea of having a middle engine car like that for the price, but they've kind of missed on the side that likes, you know, classic Corvettes that likes the idea of the original style. You just hit it on the head, dude. I mean, that mm-hmm. was the that's exactly how I feel. I completely mm-hmm. agree one hundred percent with everything you just said. Great. I think that they <laughs> they did a great job, but they also did a bad job. I yes. mean they didn't they I think they they were trying to go for what people wanted, but I think at the same time I would have liked to seen um them have an option to not get the mid engine. I think that would have been a better um way to do it though it would it would have cost a lot more money so i do understand um why yeah. they didn't do it okay um next on to ford um we have v2 this is a really interesting car a 63 ford galaxy 500 
Now, um, for classic car fans out there, we know that the Galaxies were built in lightweight configurations with the R-Code um, Dual Quad 427s with 425 horsepower. This car actually does have an R-Code 427, 425 horsepower V8. It's a four-speed, dual four rails, nine-inch rear, and heavy-duty suspension. The only thing I'm a little concerned on is the fact that it doesn't really specify much that it's a factory error code. It does say it's a factory error code, but um, I'm just, I just got to say that I would rather have a lightweight. This one's estimated at 50 to 75,000, which is about half a price of a um, lightweight one. So it, you are getting 50% off, but it's just for me, I got to, I want that lightweight. Um, current bid on this one is only 19,000. So that's a great deal. But again, going to go up. Um, it is selling on Monday. It's lot number two for Monday. Um, now, the 2018 Shelby GT350R is a car that I love. But oh, at yeah. the same time, I understand why some people don't like it. Um, seven miles on this one. He has not driven it, which I think is a okay. miss. He's also got it, a second yes. one of these, by the way. I chose this one because it is blue with a white stripe and a little red um tiny little pinstriping right next to the white stripe which i love um window stickers and everything factory plastic still affixed seven miles again so he hasn't driven it 5.2 liter voodoo powered uh v8 engine with 526 horsepower six speed um it's kona blue white stripes black interior it does have the shelby exclusive trim package which is cool air conditioning um it's estimated at 60 to eighty thousand, which i think is a fair price Currently bid at 15500 Again, going to go up. But um, I was actually talking to my uncle about this a little, I think a few months ago. And we were talking about why you would want a GT350R over a standard GT350. My perspective was I would want the GT350R for the fact that it has the track um, uh, stuff on it. So it's got like stickier tires. It's got the ring. It's got the wing. And I just feel like for me, I like the GT350R a lot more than the GT350. I don't know how you feel about that, David, but... Um, uh, well, okay. I, I I need to go all the way back to the beginning of this just for a second. I was about to stop you. If you could have seen my face when you said that he only drove it for seven miles for both of them, I honestly was so... It, I, I don't know why you buy a car like that and not track it and not drive it, okay? Just because cars are meant to be driven they're not meant to be put in a garage somewhere and it's same thing with watches with you know with jewelry and stuff like that like we have been talking i know a lot about but um then going into i I actually had the opportunity to see one being delivered at one of my local ford dealerships that i was at and i started talking with one of the managers um that i know kind of well and he was talking about the guy that was getting it and it just not obviously not in detail because you can't do that but uh it sounded like the exact same situation. The guy was going to take his family out and it maybe once or twice, and then it was going to sit somewhere. And I just think that is a crime because you know what? A car is meant to be driven. A car is meant to have fun with, okay, not to sit in a museum or not to sit, especially something like that. That's cheap power. That's a muscle car that you're meant to be able to have fun in. And I, I, I know you feel the I same agree. way. Um, I, uh, the biggest thing, my biggest issue with this, again, seven miles on it, my stand on this is not really that you need to have fun in it. It's the fact that you're keep the reason the guys are all keeping them with no miles is so I'm going to have a collector car in 10 years. You're not, it's got like 
it's got seven miles on it, but every other person in the whole like world is doing it wine. So there's a abundance of them. <laughs> Two, they're building thousands of them. They've already built them for like four years. So it's not like it's a new, it's, it's not like it's a one-off. It's not like a Dodge Demon or something, which I then, I mean, that's a collector car and it will forever be a collector car. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that but, if you keep it, it's going to go down in price with no miles. So you got to drive it. You, you got to. And, and the GT500 is coming out this year, okay? So the GT350 is going to go by the wayside and honestly not be as big of a deal anymore. And you've just been stuck with a car that you didn't have fun with for four years. So, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Because yeah, yeah, the GT500 I... is going to come out and top it completely in every single class. And then it's just going to – there's no use not driving and having fun with a car. Mm-hmm. There I just mean... there isn't. The only reason I'd say that you shouldn't drive a car is if it is, one, extremely, extremely valuable. Two, they only built, like, two of them, so it's, like, historically significant. And maybe three, because you can't drive it. That's the only mm-hmm. – I mean, that's the only real reason. So can, um, I, can, I, can I offer a little bit of perspective here? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. If, if I were – lucky enough to be part of the LaFerrari list, okay? Where they choose you, you know, and they put your nameplate on the car and everything like that. And we've both been to the Lingenfelter collection and yep. we've seen his car. He drives his cars. He has fun in his cars. He lets you kids need come to. and sit in his cars. You know, he has fun with that. Like we both got the opportunity to sit, and I don't know if you have, but I had the opportunity to sit in his LaFerrari because I went up and I asked him about it, Okay. And he said, you know what? I love how much you like cars. So come over and sit in my car. It's awesome. You know? So you, you need to be like that and actually drive your car. Well, the thing about hybrids, it's... the thing about hybrids is you, it, it, there's, there's a, the, just like the Porsche 918, the LaFerrari, any mm-hmm. modern hypercar that has a hybrid engine, there's a reason you need to drive it is because yeah. the car will wear down and then you'll have issues mm-hmm. with it because of the hybrid yep. system. So you really do actually need to drive it. It's not like, it's not like we want you to drive it. It's there's a need to drive it. So there's I a need mean, to drive it. it's great. I like that they added that like the reason to drive it. I, I yeah, think that's it, great. It, it doesn't. And honestly, though, it's it's so cool. And I, this would be one of my dreams. Obviously, is to make kids days by just letting them come over and sit in a car that you know is a million dollars or whatever. Because he was so willing to let you, and I know I'm kind of starting to toot his horn a little bit here, but he was so willing to have us come over and just, you know, sit down in whatever car we wanted. You could walk down the lineup and, you know, he grabbed the keys and you could start it up. Mm-hmm. And that was just like the coolest experience. And I want to be able to do that for kids, you know, because it's just, it's awesome. So I completely I think, agree. And if, if you know what, if you're going to buy a car and just have it sit in your garage, don't buy the car at all. Because that's the most expensive paperweight you're ever going to buy. Okay. Most expensive. Unless you buy a house somewhere and never go to it, obviously. But, you know, the idea of buying a car is to have fun in it and to drive it. It's not to, unless, as you said, very, very slim cases. There are only a couple made. And even then, I would still say have a little bit of fun in it and drive it. Because it. At least got to start it up once or twice and go around the yeah, back in there. Yes. It, more than that, I would say. Have fun. Go drive a car because you know what? The second that you turn 80 years old or whatever and you still have this car that you've never driven sitting in your garage, you're going to think to yourself, wait a minute, why didn't I go and drive that? And now you can't. 
Well, so, the reason know, I'm saying that they shouldn't drive it is take a Hemi Cuda convertible, for instance. They only built 14 of them or 15 of them. Somewhere around, if they, I mean, it's they only build a handful of them or like a dozen of them. So the fact that they only build a dozen is one thing. So it's rare. But the fact that you add on, let's say it's a four speed convertible that in 1971, they only built three or I think it's three to five of them. So, I mean, just the fact that it is a that they only built like a, a max of five of them just means that if you were to crash the car, you can't get it back. So I think that's the real reason that people don't drive their expensive classic cars. But with modern cars, especially but, a Shelby, it's being mass produced. You don't have to worry about that. You you can drive the car. There's no worry about damaging it. And it's a one-off. In, in some cases, though, the only reason, per my personal opinion, just not some other people won't feel the same way, and then we got to move on. But I think if I'm going to buy a car, even if it is a one-off Hemi Cuda convertible, okay? Like you were saying, I'm going to drive it. And if it gets in an accident, I get in an accident. You know why? Because I had fun driving that car. And that's all that matters is you had fun, okay? And you uh, have to show that's off where, just that's slightly. That's where I got to stop you there. It's too, it's too historically important. Like, I mean, would you drive Carol Shelby's Cobra? It's if you damage that Very car, different, though. You've just... Very different. But still... It's the same. It's the same thing. They only build a couple of them. It's super historically important, just like a GT40. It's not meant to be driven. They're so expensive. So I mean, one, you're gonna lose a ton of money if, if uh-huh. I mean, technically you're gonna lose a lot of money because that is an investment. But just the fact that they only build a few of them and they're so so historically important, just to me, that just I, if somebody crashed their Hemi Cuda, I would be devastated. Because that's one less that are in the world. And I just, I love them. So I'd hate to see one being lost to some dude and who just wanted to do a burnout in the middle of his. The I'm not of the saying street. do a burnout in the middle of the street. I'm saying cruise in it, drive it around, take your kids out in it. Because you know what? Again, when your children turn 20 or 30 and they look in the garage and all they see is a car sitting there that they never got to have memories in with their father and their mother, I can, you know, see that being an issue. But. I don't want to get too deep into this because I know this can create a whole nother yeah, episode. And I got, I, got, I got some stuff to talk about. And, and um, I know you do still have some more stuff to talk about. But I do quickly want to add in here just a little tidbit, okay? I um, know somebody that was driving a Corvette ZR1, okay, on a track. And they got in a horrible accident. Very, very bad accident, okay? Crashed the car, destroyed it. It was a mess, Okay. They're mm-hmm. perfectly fine now. They're back. They're walking. No problems with them. Okay. You know, they were protected. But I asked him, you know, would you, his wife obviously said you can never drive a car again like this. But I asked him, would you ever, you know, go out on a track again? He said, I'd do it tomorrow because I was having so much fun. And it doesn't matter about the car. It was that I was having fun. And well, I, what, what I generation of a ZR1, though? It was brand new. Yeah. So, I mean, they're yeah. mass produced. That's just. For me, a mass-produced car, I have no problem with somebody driving it. But a one-off or like a one of a dozen, that just to me feels like you need to you not to keep not not to like not drive it. You just you need to be extremely extremely cautious, and that's something that should go in a museum, not to be driven as an ice cream getter. I just this is okay. Go keep going because this is this is where we would get into a big debate. I think so. Okay. Well, let's we'll we'll see what our viewers um have to think. Yeah, let's, about let's that. see what you guys have to think about. That. Yeah. 
I agree. Okay, um, so I talked about cars, but the other thing um, that has to relate to um, the collector car market is the automobilia, um, road art, whatever you want to call it, um, stuff that goes along with cars, the memorabilia, um, and the Eddie Vanoy collection, again, like I said, majority of it is actually road art, which is kind of interesting because normally we see people with like 100, 200 pieces of signs or something, and they have like 20 cars. This guy's got 100 cars and 5,000 pieces of road art and like 20,000 items. So that's like, that's just crazy to me. Um, now, the biggest seller so far that I want to talk about is the Buddy L max scale model crawler with the crane um this sold earlier today for over two thousand dollars which i think is insane um two thousand dollars for a scale model is a lot of money i do know that this one is very well done it is probably one of only a handful that are left and probably the best one in the world so that does it, it makes it more understandable it's just the fact that it sold for two thousand was something i wanted to bring up um, next up, I said I was going to be talking about gasoline and oil signs. Um, part of the Eddie Vanoy collection, a lot of it is signs. A lot, K215 is a marathon keyhole double-sided porcelain sign. It is currently bid at $8,000, which some people may think is crazy. It's dated from 1954, so it is old, um, and they probably only know of a couple hundred of these in the world very very well um very very well done sign i love it um and it is in extremely well condition uh kept condition um next is the gas pump this is a canadian twin visible gas pump um it's from the 1920s it is restored in the blue sonoco uh livery um nice restoration on it currently bid at fourteen thousand five hundred dollars um, and all of the gas pumps in his collection are restored to the highest quality. So you're not going to find paint chips. You're not going to find the, the um, little vi visible glass containers being broken or anything. So these are the best um, of the best. So that is understandable for it being bid at 15000 Now, these gas pumps have a lot of historical significance, especially the early ones. Um, they only built a limited number of the visible gas pumps and they are extremely collectible. I know in the past we've seen some of these go up to almost $40,000, which is insane for this, uh, for like a little gas pump. But again, collectors love these and I personally do think they're extremely cool. Um, my favorite sign of the collection has got to be K449, um, lot K449. Uh, it's a Chevrolet double-sided porcelain sign. Um, it's a 1940s era one. Again, beautiful, beautiful sign. Hanging bracket is currently bid at $600, which I think is a bargain. I would love to just hang it up in my room. I think that would be so cool. Um, it would. So uh, yeah. I, I love it, and I think it's really awesome. Um, I know we both like pedal cars. Um, yes. We both think they're cool. My favorite one that I've seen from his collection is a Rolls-Royce pedal car from the 1930s. Um, You're going to have to really send me cool. a picture of that. You're gonna have it's to send me a restored picture with after, the yeah. headlight kit. I will. I will. Mm -hmm. um, it's currently bid at $200, which I think is a bargain. Wow, that's it's a bargain. probably going to go up for a couple thousand, $3,000, but it is restored to the finest quality. It's really, really nice. And I, I'm really excited to see what it sells for. 
Um, the other big part of his collection is bicycles. Now, this is not just any bicycle. It's a Swin Panther Wizard bicycle. It means that it has an engine attached to it. It's currently bid at $500, and we'll probably see it sell for around $1,500 to two grand. Um, but I just really think it's a really nicely restored bike. Um, and the final thing I want to talk about from his collection is boat motors. Recently, in the last couple um, or few years, um, Meekum has been actually getting a lot of boat motors consigned. We actually saw in Kissimmee this year, like around 100 boat motors from one dude's collection. One of them, I believe, sold for over $25,000, and it was the oldest one in the world. So I think they're really cool and very important. Um, this one is from 1917. It's a kale liberty outboard boat motor i'm sorry if i mispronounced that it is restored and it comes with a stand currently bid at only 70 dollars. so if you want to get a cool looking little motor to display in your house or in your uh, garage good way to do it um we'll probably see it go for a lot closer to a thousand dollars by the time the auction is done on monday um boat motors as well as pedal cars and bicycles cars and motorcycles all selling on monday so the real big days of the auction are Saturday, Monday, and then Tuesday is when we have all the guns and the armory stuff, which I think is personally, I personally really like. Um, so check it out. Um, it's a really cool auction and uh, I will be excited to see what happens with some of the cars that I talked about. Um, and now for a game. Yes. Which game would you like to play? David? You know, I think I'm going to play. I think you need to do the value game where we each choose a car for each other, and then we see, without looking it up, without using any of our internet sources that have become so widely popular for all of us, we will not look up. We do not have any lookbooks, guidebooks, anything like that. We have not talked about the cars before this. We're going to offer the other person a vehicle, and they have to tell us what they think it's going for on the market. Okay, I will be choosing for Bennett a classic car, and Bennett will be choosing for me a new car. And so... I think that I would like to go first, and I'm going to say a C3 Corvette. Okay. Um, I'm sorry to sound a little mean, but do you mm -hmm. have anything more specific? Yes, I'm going to offer you a little bit more information right now. I am just doing a little bit more of a dive for myself so I can get um, a little bit deeper knowledge it yeah, yeah. will be a um a butt top spec big block engine okay don't know what that means oh top what? spec big block oh and, okay. okay sorry so big block <laughs> okay so is this the does it do you, are you looking at like an auction site or something does it show you I, the engine that it has or it does show me the engine that it has. Do it, let's just okay. do an LT um, uh, LT1 350. Okay. Okay. Uh, from 1970, better? 71, or 72? Um, let's do 72. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to go with it being average condition. Uh, is it going to be an automatic or a four speed? Let's do a automatic. Okay. And we um, said 72, okay. Yep. LT1. Is it a Cooper convertible? It's a convertible. Okay, so a convertible 72 LT1. Um, is it ha Has it been restored or is it unrestored? 
It's going to be restored. Okay, restored. Um, in average condition, I'll say probably about thirty-two thousand dollars, thirty-five thousand. So, right here, let's. You are actually pretty close to the mark. Most of these are anywhere from twenty-nine thousand to thirty-six thousand, depending upon the condition of the vehicle. So that is that is a great great um estimate there i'd say closer to twenty nine thousand, but that's just from my estimate looking at some of these right here Mm -hmm. are you ready do you have a new car for me to look at uh i i do yes indeed um let's see it's very very hard to pick a good one that i that i i also like there's so many good ones um okay i think I'm going to go with a 2006 Mercedes-Benz SLR McLaren. Okay, so what will it sell for now, or what did it sell for new? What, what will it sell, will for, it sell now? for now? Okay. Um, 350000 I got it? Wow. Um, Guys, this is, the this is... premium, that's what it sold for, 350000 Hey, Right on the mark. We did. We both hey, did great today. <laughs> I, I think we both did really. We are. Hey, you know what? I am proud of myself, but also, you know what? I I think that that's all of the years of being laughed at at school for knowing car stuff has helped me get that. So yes, um, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh-huh. So um, do we? I this is our last episode of the season, as we've said before, and we appreciate everybody that's listened to or listened to the show and watched our um youtube channel and followed all of our social media pages and next season we are going to come out with a bang we will have a special interview for our first episode we are so excited about that and then we will be doing a live stream from our Meekum indie auction which bennett will be talking more about as we finish up the episode here but we do appreciate everybody that's listened um, to the show and followed us and I am ready to go out for our second season strong. As I said, we have a great interview coming up. And as we get closer, we'll offer more information for all of our viewers. Bennett, do you want to talk a little bit about your Meekum Indie live stream that you'll be doing? And then yes. we will. So um, you will be there as well. Um, we've already agreed to yes. that. So we will both be um, on Instagram on the live stream. Uh, the live stream will be on the... Are we going to do it on a Friday or Saturday? Let's do, um, let's do Saturday, and okay. we will make it part of our morning Cars and Coffee series, which we will be okay. starting into our third season of the show. Okay. So it will be Saturday morning. Um, I will make sure to post the actual um, uh, date, date like 11 a.m. or 10 a.m., whenever we do it, um, as we get uh, closer to the auction. Um, today marks two weeks until... Uh, the auction begins. That is July 10th. We will be featuring a very cool um, and interesting vehicle on there, which I think we're both excited about, the yes. Learjet, the Learbozine uh-huh. concept car. <laughs> I have um, been ready for this since I saw the um, catalogs come out. So. Yes. So, And we'll be, we will be featuring some uh, supercars, including a Ferrari 599 GTO, and a Porsche 911 Speedster from 2019, um, but also some classics. We'll be featuring uh, Dana Meekum's Ford GT Competition Prototype Roadster, 
um, his LED Corvette and the John Ottspot collection, which includes um, a lot of really cool Shelby's, um, two Lamborghinis, which I think are also just as amazing, and um, some of his road art um, um, stuff. He has probably the best collection of Shelby memorabilia we've ever seen. Um, he has some of the original parts for the um, GT competition cars from the 60s. He's got original jackets. He's got original, which I think is amazing. He's got original Shelby checks, which you cannot find anywhere. I mean, the original ones from back in the 60s when they were buying stuff. So I, I, I just can't believe he has all this stuff. So I'm extremely excited. I know David is excited and more information will be coming about, uh, about that very, very soon. Yes. And um, I also quickly just want to get into a little bit of um, something funny that did happen this week, just to wrap up and be our concluding story. And it ties into something that is very tragic and sad. And, but you know, the way that um, Ford handled it was different than I personally think I would have, but the Bronco was set to come out on the 9th of July, which we had been hyping up for. We had set our date to start season two on the 9th of July. But it was tenth. or 10th, 10th of July. Okay, I apologize. But we had set the release date for our show on the same day as the release date for the Bronco. We were going to do um, an alongside thing just to give you all the information as it comes out. But the date had to be pushed back because Ford had chosen the exact same day that O.J. Simpson had run away in his white Bronco from the police and from California Highway Patrol. So, you know, Ford did have to move the date. We still have to keep our show on that date, though. Um, So we will be doing that on the 10th. But um, we will continue to bring you Bronco information as it comes out, and more information will come out as we get closer to the launch, I know. But And, um, uh, oh, Yes, before we wrap up the show, I also meant I like to bring up um, that there will be no podcast on Friday the 17th um, due to the fact that we will be having the live stream that Saturday. Um, and I will be also away um, on a business trip, kind of a uh, fun <laughs> trip as well. Um, so there will be no podcast. We will have a live stream, more information coming out of then. And we are very excited to kick off the season again special guests and everybody thanks for listening um i wonder how many people listen all the way through on this one i didn't get any responses unfortunately last time when i asked Uh, you know we we do appreciate all of our listeners though that have listened to the show and this has been really fun for us but it's also turned into a nice um you know thing for us to start up and work on so We will see you in season two. I am so excited to get a jump on it. And we are the car reviewers. Thank you for watching. Thank you. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody.